Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Beam. Today, we're going to be continuing our discussion on the best music from 2020. Yeah, last week we were joined by Ashley Pellegrino and Joe Donlin, and they were nice enough to share some of their favorite records from the past year. They shared their thoughts on some records like Peach Pit and Spanish Love Songs and Halsey. Those were some of our favorites of theirs that they shared. And we had a really nice discussion with them. And this week we're going to have a new guest on. Yeah, this week we have Kim Neaton, who is local here to the Capital Region. Uh, She was a former radio DJ for WEQX and also works with, well, now she works with Guthrie Bells. Well, I guess not doing too much, I guess, only just because of everything with this whole pandemic that we have going on with live shows. But I know she's itching to get back to that as well so she can be in her in the right place where she belongs, which is standing in front of a giant speaker having music blow her head off at a live show. Don't we all wish we were oh, there? Oh, God, we all do. And after that conversation we'll, with Kim, we'll be revealing our own personal top five records. Well, kind of. Some of our guests already stole ours, so we're not going to repeat ourselves and just keep talking about the same records over and over again. I mean, steal seems like a strong word. It's, it's, we can share these things. That's true. They didn't steal. <laughs> steal is too strong. They also really enjoy that record, and in an effort to not be repetitive and boring, we're going to talk about some other records that aren't really our favorite top fives, but... You know, well, we're going to go there. They're fucking up there. We're going to go through our top fives. We just really won't rehash everything that was said uh, previously about some of these albums that will end up on our list. Um, this week, we're we decided to go with something a little dark. Uh, we actually can drink this time around because we didn't go on like a three day bender. So that's good. Um, it was just a one day thing. And it was a few days ago, so we're feeling okay. Feel anyways, great today. I feel I feel great. Yeah, uh, but anyways, we decided to get something dark, and just because of the spirit of what this year—I'm sorry, this past year—sort uh, of felt like, um, we decided to drink a beer called Doom Sauce. It's from Lord Hobo Brewing Company out of Woburn, Massachusetts. Is that Woburn? I think so. Right? Sounds right. I don't know. I didn't check to see how to pronounce it. It's in Massachusetts. Okay, but apart from the Bills winning their first playoff game since 1995, uh, you know, it's also safe to say that maybe 2021 hasn't come in off to the greatest start. We don't have, I mean, yeah, we had a, we have a week of evidence and it's been shit. It's been fucking crazy. Uh, but the Bills did win their first playoff game since 95. So we actually even have stuff to look forward to. It's just who the fuck knows what's going to happen this week that is going to happen world. that we have to, in order to get there. Yeah, it's just going to be going to be a bit of a mess maybe all right let's get to the music beam So we're here with Kim Neaton, who is going to be sharing her thoughts on 2020 music. Kim, thanks for joining us. What's going on? Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's, uh, you know, I'm excited to be here, but it was kind of tough for me, narrowing it down to the top five, I think, as it always is for people when it comes to the end of the year. Yeah, you said you just kind of like 
rip through albums this year as opposed to just like actually just sticking sort of with one yeah I think just you know due to the pandemic and stuff and you know our you know just the way we went about our daily lives for a lot of people were so different you know I think most years I get certain albums I really love and I'm driving around more and I'm just like oh let's go back to that album and I kind of spend more time with one album and like really dig in but this year I think just my listening habits changed you know I was home a lot I have a record collection with like a thousand records so a lot of my listening was like going back and listening to older stuff and just kind of spending time online, like kind of surfing around, checking out weird different stuff I hadn't heard of. So yeah, I don't know, kind of all over the place this year. Wait, what are the sites you would say you check out in terms of like where you gather your music listening, like suggestions? Um, You know, I think Spotify does do a good job with suggesting stuff on the playlist built for you, but Bandcamp has been huge mm. for me this year. Um, My husband and I have an account and he searches out a lot of like weird different stuff that I'm not into as much electronic and really heavy metal and stuff, but they're really good on their homepage. Just like their featured artists can be smaller bands that you've never heard of from like weird genres and stuff doing really cool stuff so some of the stuff we've listened to a lot this year have just like popped up on the Bandcamp homepage and been stuff that I became a fan of and then you know go buy their records and stuff Bandcamp I think is a really good outlet for bands I've been hearing it more and more and I just feel like I don't give it enough I I don't know enough attention then I, I I love Bandcamp I think it's such a great platform and especially the way that like you're basically giving money directly to the artists. And I think that's so great the way that they have it set up in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, much better than Spotify. I always hear these horror stories from bands and artists about <laughs> like, I, I saw this thing about someone created this app about listening hours and how that translated to royalties for bands. Yeah. And it was something like 140 hours was like $16 and that's it. And like they spent 140 hours with that band and it was like, wow, that is not yeah. the best return. And like Bandcamp will like nudge you like, you've been listening to this a lot. Do you want to like buy something from this band? <laughs> you know, so, um, but yeah, you know, and the usual websites, you know, I'm searching around Consequences Sound and Pitchfork and stuff mm. like that. And I always watch Anthony Fantano on YouTube too. He's like He's one something. guy. I know I don't always agree with him, but I'll definitely go to him for like what stuff that maybe I've missed that I should check out. I no, don't always enough. agree. But, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. And I get that. You know, when you kind of went to put together this top five list, were there any trends or things that you noticed and like what you were gravitating towards or what really interested you in the albums this year? Yeah, I think the albums are all a bit different, but you know, I have the new Thundercat on there and the new Krongbin, which have both been accented over the last three, four years. I've really fallen in love with, so I don't know if it was, you know, like, oh, this is a familiar thing that I know I like, but I, so I think I gravitated towards those and spent some time with them, but I appreciate them and also the ways those bands, you know, those acts have kind of grown and evolved too. Um, the one band I have on there that's a, a lesser-known band, Melted Bodies. Um, <laughs> that, album. I, that album was something. No, yeah. I like I, I didn't like I, I mean that in a good way, but yeah. Yeah, because I mean, you know, modern rock is in a weird place where like modern rock on the radio, like I don't listen to it. It's all kind of like for I don't lack know if of it a better exists. Like, yeah, like for lack of a better word, it's like butt rock. Yeah. Well, you dude, know? like Foo Fighters, I thought were still doing like some good things, but then the new stuff they have coming out, it's like, oh no, you guys falling off. He goes, and then I just saw the They're quote. Well, Dave's like, yeah, we wanted to make a record you could dance to. You know who else did that? Queens of the Stone Age. And, and look then, how that went. Yeah, that didn't go over well. <laughs> but with Melted Bodies, I'm, so I'm always looking for new good rock. You know, like I like stuff that's like, you know, more obscure metal and everything. But sometimes I'm like, I just want something that rocks, that has cool riffs. You know, and I'm a big System of a Down fan. And definitely some of the vocals in that remind me of that. But like not too much. You know, it's like they have good vocal melodies sometimes. They have, 
you know, really cool riffs. And I, I don't know, it really just grabbed me as an exciting, like different out of the box rock record. Dude's got some range, some yeah. serious range in terms of what he can do singing and screaming. So yeah, sometimes that one just really grabbed me. Like I, I just want to rock sometimes, you know, <laughs> Fair, and, and yeah. that one did it. So, so, um, what would you say though? I mean, cause I know for you, so I know that, you know, former radio DJ, but more so the big element for you has always been live music. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, and I don't know if you're going to talk much about it, sir, when it comes to your top five, but like, were there albums that like you heard this year where it was just like, fuck, like, I really wish. Oh man. <laughs> I, nothing's, oh, I mean, run the jewels. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. on my list. And like, I had tickets to go see run the jewels <sighs> and rage against the machine at Boston calling. And it's just some of those songs when the beat comes in, you're just like, I should have been seeing this, <laughs> yeah. you know? And that's like really heartbreaking. Um, so yeah, that, that was definitely a big one, but yeah, I mean, any band that I love, I love seeing them live. And I think, were you up, you were up at, um, higher ground when, yeah, when we saw played. Thundercat. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. that was just a weird thing where it's like, I turned around and I'm like, oh, <laughs> Andrew Beam is it, here it, in Burlington. It brings together just, uh, our little community that's, that, that exists here in the, in the capital region yeah. elsewhere. Um, yeah, so, uh, and the other thing too, though, just even with the lack of live music, and I know too, so you also work with Guthrie Bell. What was it that you were kind of doing with, with, with them, or still doing, I'm assuming, yeah. once everything gets back to Yeah, so the last three years, normal. you know, after working in radio, I've worked in live music, working up in Burlington at Higher Ground, and then here in the Albany area with Greg Bell of Guthrie Bell Productions, and he's been doing shows, you know, from small bars and clubs all the way up to the palace last 20-something years in the area. So yeah, when everything happened, we... At first, it's like, okay, we're, we're taking a break for a month. Let's move everything to May and June. And then quickly we realize right. no, that's not happening. And I spent a few months refunding tickets. And, you know, so that's what I was busy with. Oh, man. <laughs> now it's just kind of, you know, a waiting game, seeing when people are looking to book stuff. And hopefully we can do some stuff with local bands, like smaller scale. Yeah. Uh, when the warmer weather hits. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking about, there was that Dave Chappelle Netflix special that came out where they kind of did it all outside. And I found myself thinking about whether that would be possible, like doing sure. a park show and like just making sure these little pods are all spread out and people like kind of have to stay in their area. I'm sure it would be tough to do, but you know, when I saw that special, that's like immediately mm -hmm. where my mind went. Like I want to see someone in this like setting. That would be so cool. Yeah. I think here we have so many spaces, so many parks, you know, breweries with big fields or whatever, where like you can set up picnic tables or I don't care. I'll draw lines on the grass with spray paint. Just like stay in your bubble, you know, bring a picnic basket. Like, I feel like there's ways that they've we been can doing drive-in shows. I feel like across the country that yeah. I feel like friends have gone to. Like I had a friend that went and saw Warren Hayes or something. Yeah. Yeah. I went to a smaller one right at the Jericho drive-in just a uh, short distance from here with a local band, Dr. John, the love prophet. So mm. it was like reggae night and they played a bob marley movie and like that was cool so i think you know just people just gotta get creative yeah so. definitely looking forward to getting to back to some live shows but for sure and before we get to your top five are there any albums that you want to kind of shout out as an honorable mention something that didn't quite make it or something that you just found particularly fascinating but it's not necessarily like top five material for you yeah i think i i mentioned it to andrew and i don't know if you looked into it at all because it's kind of a, a bigger project um I found through Bandcamp. Um, the page is called Analog Africa, and it's really cool. This guy in Germany, I forget the whole backstory. Somehow he ended up like in Africa and got connected with these people that had all these this collection of old records, and he just started unearthing all this really awesome stuff from like the '60s and '70s, like you know, from traditional music to more like dance and disco music, like 
from these countries and then he like moved on to South America and is just like crate digging and there's all this stuff that never was released online never pressed to vinyl and he's like releasing all this music and this year I discovered it and honestly it's probably what I listen to most <laughs> like we went on a camping trip to Acadia Maine and every day at the campsite we're just like just put on the next analog Africa release they're all a little bit different but if you uh, go on the page each uh, release has a story of like the backstory of who this artist was and like how he discovered them and that's been really cool because you know with everything going on mentally it's it's been stressful so to listen to music like that and hear a backstory it kind of gave me a chance to sit back and like be transported to another time and place with this like feel good music that gets you like moving and feeling good like pretty much right away so that's been huge for me this year just kind of exploring stuff i'd never hear before mm. yeah, that's that, pretty dope that sounds like an incredible project we're we're we definitely going to chance check to listen to yeah, it, yeah we haven't listened yeah. to it yet but we're it. definitely going to that's just like sunday morning when you're making your eggs or pancakes or whatever just put on any release from that and like you'll feel good <laughs> that'll yeah. be good i'm usually searching for something and i usually always land on the latest arctic monkeys release for some reason, Tranquility. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Oh, you just go back with all this music out there? Yeah, I don't know. It's just for some reason. It's because I like don't. I can't make a decision, then, mm -hmm. and then I just like default for some reason. Okay. So we'll definitely have a link to that on our website, so you can uh, check out that Bandcamp Analog Africa. You said yeah. awesome. That that's awesome. Um, all right. So yeah, let's go. Maybe you don't have an order. That's fine. We can. Yeah. We can just kind of wing it. You can create an order on the fly, or you can just talk about it. And whatever. Sure. Start I, us off. Go ahead. I guess let's start with uh, Krongbin, that new record. I know it's one that you guys are familiar with. And, yeah, definitely. You know, like I mentioned before, I think maybe what made me fall in love with it so fast is because I already knew and loved the band, but I, I really like that they, you know, changed things up and had more vocals on this one. But it's still just, you know, it maintains that, that groove, that vibe they got is like their own signature thing. Um, and I don't know, it's something that I just, I can always go back to it. I can always put it on. I think out of all the releases probably on this list, it's been one where, you know, hanging out has been hard with people this year, but we have had people like come over for fires in the backyard and that's always yeah. a good record that like, not, I don't want to say like, oh, this is good background music. You don't have to pay attention, but that's a record that you can put on and just like, it makes a cool vibe for Did people. It, because it is you know? just such a vibe record. Yeah. yeah. I, I found that. I found myself doing that a lot this year where I was listening to a lot more jazz and I think it has to do with, you know, me getting older. I'm 33 now, so I'm not like as <laughs> angsty and like doing yeah. all this other stuff. And, you know, so I've been listening to a lot of jazz and that release and Adrian Young did this whole series jazz is dead. Mm -hmm. And actually when I was, you know, I just got married this past week and Congrats. I was, thank you. And I was putting together like a cocktail hour playlist yep. and I was trying to find that exact thing. So I just found myself just trying to find, okay, what are those vibe based records mm -hmm. that are just going to create a cool environment? Yep. And exactly like you said, you're like, you're not trying to say it doesn't work, but it works on multiple levels where it can be in the background. Right. Or if you really dig in, it has a lot of depth right. and something that you can really dig in. It's also in. like a sink into the couch and listen on the good speakers record too. So it serves a lot of purposes and it's just some a record I kept going back to over and over this year. No, so. it was perfect. It feels like a throwback too, I feel like in some ways, just in terms of like how they have their instruments presented mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways. No, just like that, that whole album I thought was phenomenal. Did they also do something with... Uh, Leon Bridges. The Leon Bridges yep. that the EP released too. Yeah, I think that was yeah. maybe like late 2019, but that oh, was, was that was really it. cool too. Maybe it was 2020. I, I think it was it. early 2020 because okay. I remember the Leon Bridges release. It was an EP, yep. and it was very very good. I believe it was early 2020. I remember listening to that okay. in like February. Um, 
I'm I a had big that on. fan of his too. Absolutely, yeah. Leon oh, yeah. Bridges does a lot. Of Leon really Bridges was stuff. doing a lot of great stuff this year too. Like the Avalanche's record, which you know I know I'll be talking about at least. Like he's on there too mm-hmm. and does a fantastic job on that. So no, this this album was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it's a great pick. Uh, what's next? What do you? Uh, let's talk about Thundercat. Let's keep do it, it. Keep it funky here. I heard that you're <laughs> a big fan of that one. I'm a huge fan. I. And it's one of those things where it works on multiple levels. And I've always loved Thundercat. I have been following along with him ever since he played such a huge part in that Kendrick Lamar record. Yes. Yeah. And this this album, I feel like, was actually his like most coherent, fully realized vision of an album that like just worked. Yeah. Like all the ideas kind of flowed. And Dragon Ball Do-Rag is both the most <laughs> hilarious, but like the most funky vibe song. And the music for vi- video for that song is just incredible. I I love this record so much. Yeah, that song, like, it's one of those ones where it's like, I don't know why your brain does it, but just like, it just claps in my head in random days. Like, I'll just wake up some mornings with Dragon Ball Do-Rag in my head. And it's like, oh, there you are again. You know, it's like, it's so fun and ridiculous. Um but totally agreed. Like, I've been a fan for the past, you know, few albums, and it seems like it's really all come together here. And um, I just love, you know, talking about how, you know, you were kind of introduced to him on the from the Kendrick record, the the musicians that he always works with. It's like it's like the new, you know, revolution of jazz music, kind of. Yeah. And I'm a huge Lewis Cole fan, too, and he's got him on a track. It was It's called I Love Lewis Cole, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just a fan of that collaboration and Flying Lotus always, you know, anything he does. So I just, I, I've just enjoyed really following Thundercat's um, career and these records. And I think, like you said, this one just came together as a cohesive, beautiful piece. At first, I was like, oh, I don't like it as much as Drunk. Because I think those ones, that one had a few more like heavy hitting kind of songs. But this one, when you took the time with it, I think it really just settled in nicely. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought this is his best piece of like sort of songwriting yeah. like, in, term, in terms of an album. But uh, I, I completely agree. I think that, you know, if you look back at some of his other work, you can find parts that are much more interesting and much more vibrant and more technical. And mm-hmm. you're just like, how does he do that? But this was like in terms of songwriting, it's also coherent and it just works. And it's not just all these funky parts, but it like fits together in this just beautiful thing. And I think you know, what you were saying about Dragon Ball Durag, how it just keeps popping into yeah. your head. It has that earworm type quality in such an incredibly funky, funny, ridiculous song. And that is, I think, like, if you were to try and describe Thundercat as a person, it's just like Dragon Ball Durag. Boom. Totally. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, this is one I would have, you know, in terms of talking about live, I would have loved to see this one live. Yes. Just in terms of, like, actually, yeah, after having seen him at at higher ground it's just like oh. it's like watching like his, that because his personality shines i feel like yeah. the most on this and i feel like too. watching with the show we saw with that trio of musicians right. he has, it's just like all of you are just like at 10 the whole time like <laughs> there's so much skill but. oh god it's remarkable and you know what you were saying he just has all the coolest people like the song yeah. that he did with childish gambino mm-hmm. on this record like that's awesome he works with kamasi washington all the time yep. and he's incredible yeah it's just like he's swirling around in this like <clears throat> realm of all the coolest artists i feel like like you mentioned like you know maybe because you're getting older but getting into jazz more it's like our generation hasn't had it doesn't seem like our you know group of jazz musicians for this generation that are like pushing that genre forward and these are the guys you know these are the guys doing it yeah this is like this generation's miles davis and you know whoever and that's a very like big comparison but 
it's well it's, i mean if it's gonna get people if it's gonna bring the crowd back to jazz i guess sort of in a way and get new listeners you know is yeah. that really that you know far off of a comparison i don't know yeah don't and know. just pushing the boundaries of the yeah. genre too you know working with someone like flying lotus is really weird the you stuff know? he did it with is. mac too i thought yeah. that was really good yeah a lot of really great stuff with him and uh yeah what, what's next what's another record that really stood out to you this year yeah we talked about it briefly before but uh melted bodies <laughs> that, why do you guys giggle because it's like because it's so much fun like it was it's, something where i heard it and i'm like i didn't expect this yeah i don't know why i, I just it's i don't i don't mean it's not making fun of it it's more just like no that's fine well, i know it's ridiculous and some of the parts in it you're like wow what are they doing but, right and it's meant to be ridiculous oh I yeah feel like it's kind of it feels like one big commentary and right you know, I, I watched that video for um, Ad Bodies. Mm-hmm. That video is something else. And, you know, I, I only giggle or laugh because it's just... I giggle because I missed out on it and I'm pissed about that. Because <laughs> I wish I had spent more time with it. And I would have like, listened to it more, yeah. What they're doing is just so cool. Like, it yeah. makes me giddy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, like <laughs> like listening. Yeah, the first time it it took me a while. I was like, this is kind of ridiculous. Like I mentioned, it's like some of the vocals remind you of System of a Down and stuff. But I think it's just they they are bringing a lot to the table with different styles of rock. I think with modern rock, so many bands are like we have this one sound, and I love all different types of rock bands. But I think it's you know it shows a special level of just you know skill in their songwriting and stuff that you can take different parts of songs that sound completely different and like make it an album like just a great rock record that's an absolute ride you know sonically um and i think that's exciting and that's what i was saying before like i think in rock music it's so easy to be like this is our sound we're a more like you know indie shoegazy thing or we're you know what whatever but these guys are like when Mm -hmm. you do that yeah i think these guys are just like we like rock music heavy music all different types of it let's kind of meld it together and it keeps you on your toes that's a show like seeing that live would be crazy i think people would be going bananas it's the type of show that i'm missing right now um one of my favorite things and then the most unexpected things and then we listened to because and we listened to it again today and didn't realize what was happening so when i was listening to this i was uh, playing Scrabble with my wife, but I was like, I kept. And was she like, why? What are you making me listen? No, to? she like she like she'll She's go to an every to she'll go to an every time I die show with me. So like we're good on that level. But um, but no, uh, I kept like having to like when I'm when it's my turn and I had to think to put a word down. Yeah. This shit's going on, and I'm like, wait, what is going on here? So like it was in this moment where you know I'm playing, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, is that is that the Walkman the rat? Yeah. I was like, what is happening? And I was, and I had to like check my phone to make sure because it sounded so much like them. And then it was like into the chorus, we hear a monstrous breakdown, which was right. like, which was awesome about it. But then we listened to it again today before you were, before you came over. And it was just a, a like a, like breakdown after breakdown, but like a little bit of the rat in it. And we were like, what is this song? Yeah. And Corey's just like, this is a cover of something. And I'm like, it's the rap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was just really impressed to, to find this band and just to, to actually feel excited about a new rock band. It sadly doesn't happen all the time. Like no. I'm, I'm a huge rock fan. And like we mentioned earlier, like rock radio, like what is it even like, does anyone care about the, you know, 20 years of disturbed or whatever? Like we're still doing this. Like there is exciting <laughs> rock music out there. People, you just have to like dig slightly, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, so that was good. I, I just like, you know, 
when I'm driving around, sometimes I just want to bang my head. It's hard flipping through the radio. I'm like, I just want to rock, guys. Like, where is it? You know, so there, well, I found it. So the one thing I'm curious about, though, I saw ex-local natives as part of the description. Yeah. Who? It's who? the basis from local natives. The basis? Yeah, I didn't dig too deep in it. I was just like, okay, that's... Well, the I love local natives, so local I was like, natives, excuse me? And it's the guy who... He left after their first record, Gorilla Manor. Oh, okay. And it seemed, I, I, I did a bunch of reading on it. It just seemed like it was a creative differences sort of thing where he felt like he wasn't as involved in kind of the creative process and he wanted to do these certain types of different things I and see the was getting frustrated. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to you? <laughs> so it feels like, and it took a while because Gorilla Manor was way back in like, 2011 like Maybe. that's an, that's an yeah, old dude, record it's an older record so it took him a while to kind of find his niche it feels like but this is an incredible album and you know kim what you were saying about how they're just huge fans of heavy music or just huge fans of rock music that are then taking all these disparate influences mm-hmm. and turning it into their own vision because the influence of System of a Down is clear, and that's like the mainstream kind of new metal type sound, and that's a bit unfair to System of a Down because they're more than that, but, you know, there's that, and then there's Dillinger Escape Plan yep. that I can very clearly hear oh, in there. Oh, yeah. And then they're covering the Walkman, so clearly they have all these disparate influences and all these things in, like, the the electronic world, and it's just, yeah. like, it is a crazy ride. You said that, and it it's just takes you everywhere, but it doesn't totally feel disjointed like it all right. feels like one unified thing yeah no i think i think it's a great record um just yeah happy to come across that randomly on the internet so yeah we thank you too yeah thank you for <laughs> showing it to us that was, yeah, that was enjoy. great all right so let's go to the next one what next, do you got uh coupons up and up local band uh are you guys have you given it a listen were you familiar uh i wasn't familiar with it i hadn't listened to it yet but I'd say we will listen to it now a couple times. Well, this you listened to it today. I, I, listened, I listened to it, to it today, night. and you know, Beam, you said this, and I completely agree. It's got a very Doctor Dog vibe to it, oh, and yeah. I very much appreciate that. I I've been missing Doctor Dog in my life for some time now. Yeah, they're one of my favorite bands of all time for sure. And you know, you know, I didn't pick this song because I'm friends with these guys. You know, they no, are, no, no. they are local, but um. I don't think it measures up to an album like that. I think it's like, I think as a standalone, like it's a very good record. Yeah, they did such a a good job. And the Dr. Dog reference, you know, I've said that to them. They would appreciate it. I know that. And, you know, in Dr. Dog, there's the two main songwriters. So you have those two distinct voices. And in Coupons, there's two voices that sing the most, but they actually have four singers and four songwriters in the band. And I think that's why, as a record, they were able to piece together these songs that were you know, written at completely different times, completely different apart, you know, a lot of the time, but then piecing together all these different styles where, again, talking about like a ride uh, sonically, like it is. Oh, it really is. You know? And you can definitely see like their distinct styles, like yeah. Colin and Dan, like when they when they each kind of come in and in different songs and then Shannon yep. too as well. I think it's, um, and Dan, you know, Dan goes hard on the bass and in, in, in a couple of yeah. some of these songs, man. That, oh he, yeah, Dan Malone, yeah. sorry, yeah. He wrote and sings on two of them, which is yeah. like new for him. He didn't do that on the first Coupons record. So um, I Wanted and Ansel are the okay. two that are his. And yeah, they're they're great. So I think, you know, it's really interesting to have different songwriters and their different styles kind of come together on one project like this. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was a really good, like they're just, yeah, like you, they're just all really good songwriters. And mm-hmm. so it just shows in terms of just 
kind of what you get on each song of this album because it does have like as much as that Dr. Dog feel I was getting like sort of a Smith Westerns vibe here and there too that I think just like and that's just because of it like you said it's like Dr. Dog but like more riff heavy and they have some serious riffs on this album yeah, yeah lots of catchy stuff too I think the the Collins songs are more the ones that like are feel like a little more dancey a little more catchy and mm-hmm. whatever and then the Dan LaFave songs you know lyrically are a little more abstract and stuff very irreverent yeah yeah um but no i I love the band and that's one that i wish they could have had an album release show you know it's like being from this area it's like that's a band that would have like played the hollow and it would have been packed and that would have been the last time they did that was awesome yeah so yeah love coupons i think they did a great job on the record and this is a a good example of when a producer can play such a a big part they worked with this guy scoops who's Mm -hmm. from the area lives down in philly now but they kind of consider him a member of the band at this point, almost like some of the really unique sounds on there and production he did, like they just kind of let him go for it. And it really tied some of the songs together that maybe normally would have felt disjointed. He was able to kind of, you know, help the flow and everything. So, yeah, absolutely. Producers do play such a huge role in rock music and it doesn't get appreciated enough in rock music. You know, obviously with hip hop production is such a huge part of it because it happens like separate a lot of times from the actual rapper who gets his name on the record. But in rock music, like the every time I die, when they worked with Kurt Ballou, Mm -hmm. it's so obvious the influence that it has. And, you know, it's just something I'm glad you pointed it out because producers in rock really do deserve more credit and not just the huge names of like, you know, uh, Fuck, what's his name? Rick Rubin. Yeah, Rick Rubin <laughs> and uh, the guy from Chicago, Steve Albini. Like, yeah. you know, these huge names get thrown around all the time. But like, you know, produ- producers in rock, basically, they deserve more credit than they get. Yeah. I mean, some bands have big ideas and to take the vibe that they're going for and be like, I know what you mean and I'm going to help you get there. Yeah. And kind of what I was talking about with Melted Bodies, how they were all over the place in the rock genre. You know, when people are just like, oh, this is like an indie rock record or an alt rock record, like the Coupons record takes that idea and like all the kind of a bunch of different styles within it like Mm -hmm. it's not one sound in alternative rock or indie rock they kind of touch a lot of bases so i think they keep it interesting yeah Yeah, the producer to be able to kind of weave those all together to make it feel like a coherent vision is just that that's kind of all on them yep and i know they don't they hadn't like played too many shows just because of them being so separate or well i mean yeah, well, yeah, one yeah. of them is in Philly, one's down yeah. in the city, so these were kind of songs written separately that they just could get together a few weekends, and they've, and I've talked to the band recently, they're already working on a third record and have a ton of songs, so yeah. exciting stuff from Coupons coming up in the next year, too. No, they're, they're, they're a solid act, it's awesome to say, like, because it is one of those things, and, and I know you probably don't get, feel this as maybe, maybe you don't as much as I do, where it's like, holy shit, this is a local band. yeah. And that's and that's the vibe I get when I listen to this record where it's just like shit okay this this is it does sort of like sound you know apart from the rest in some ways I yeah. feel like yeah they crushed it yeah and it's always exciting when a local band becomes bigger. I, I forget what the name of that pop punk band is and I didn't like them, but I was excited for them that they got bigger. State something. State champs. Oh, State, State champs. champs. Yeah. I was excited for them. I didn't like their music, I but I was like good about, for you guys. I'm going to I'm going to champion you. I thought you were talking about Endicott. No. Did love Endicott back in the day. Great I, band. I don't know why. I didn't think they were that good. <laughs> I think you're wrong. You didn't see them live. That's why maybe. I did see them live. It's oh, where we did? saw Silent Drive. Oh, Remember? Dude, it was like the last Trinity Church show. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Great show. Fire Marshal showed up. You're yeah. showing your age now. Yeah. <laughs> How long ago is this? Fucking 2004. Yeah, yeah 2003. this is 2004. Has to Very be. long time ago. Um, all right. And so let's go to your your 
well, maybe not your number one. I but guess this is number one, I it, think. And it's our number one, too, so. Oh, wow. See, I want you guys to it. <laughs> RTJ4. They yeah. did yeah. it yet again. And, see, it's not even again. They just, like, they did it. Now. No, like, but this is it. for me, they did it again because <laughs> after that first record, I was like, I love this. This is one of the best right. hip-hop records I've heard in a while. These beats are crazy. And then with this, the next three albums to come out before each one, I was, like, nervous. You know, I'm always like this with groups I love. I'm like, I love the last one so much. Please, like, I hope it's okay. I hope it didn't fall off. And, like, every time they're just, like, hitting it out of the park. And, you know, here they go again. Totally agree. <laughs> it's just one of those It's one of those records where I feel like that, that we kind of talked about just sort of with, yeah, it was in 2020, and it almost felt like it was made in 2020, but a lot of the stuff that we sort of talk about was actually really written and recorded in 2019. And it's just like, ah, uh, they fucking called it. <laughs> and it's something that I feel like RTJ has done throughout their career. It's yeah. like all their music turns out to be so prescient. Because They're like the Simpsons of music. It is. It, it, is, it is like that because, you know, they write this record in the year prior. And then the year it comes out, something relevant has happened to what, what, it, what they're speaking about. And so, you know, the second verse that uh, Killer Mike does on Walking in the Snow where he, you know, says, my voice goes from a shriek to whisper, I can't breathe. And that's exactly what's happening with George Floyd. And he wrote that in 2019. And it also speaks back to Eric Garner because this shit's been happening for fucking ever. But to be so prescient and to put out an album, it always seems like it just speaks to the moment that we're in so perfectly. Yeah, I remember the first time listening to the record. When did it, when it come out? Early June, right? Yep. So this was like yeah, right yeah. around the time of all the unrest across the country. And I remember reading the lyrics to that verse and like got chills. And it's like, you think like, oh, did they, they're like predicting the future or whatever. It's like, no, this shit's been happening the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, it just yep. took it being on TV for everyone to see it. But like Killer Mike is like saying like, this is what we are dealing with all the time. And that, that whole verse was just like, talk about favorite lyrics of the year or whatever. Yeah, to me, that, that, whole that verse. verse is that like, whole verse. is that it? You know, and just talking about education, what it means like to go to school and just, you know, you're put there. What is it from ages, you know, ages mm -hmm. one to four and, you know, the test scores and they're, How the they test scores are the lowest. So and, you know, they determine prison population by who score on the lowest and who yeah. score on the lowest. And they're poor and look like me. And like that whole verse is just so incredible and so smart. And, you know, on a lyrical level, it's that. But on a technical level, too, because he switches flows right in the middle of it and he's got the really slow delivery mm -hmm. and then it like breaks with the, I can't breathe. And then he comes back in and he d starts delivering it super fast. And, you know, killer Mike's just incredible lyrically flow, the whole thing. And well, the one thing that I thought was like, in terms of like being, you know, sort of like being able to almost predict the future in this way is the lyric. Cause like what I feel like happened in sort of this, the, I guess you could, and maybe I'm wrong in saying this, the resurgence of sort of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, like where it was really front and center in terms of the national discussion, they were, it was almost, there was a lot of sort of saying like, what do you as we as allies or just anyone in terms of the movement have to do in order to be effective? And what I found interesting was this lyric and the one that always like stood out to me was him saying is, uh, what is it? Um, and you sit there in the house on couch and watch it on TV. The most he gives a Twitter rant and call it a tragedy. But truly, travesty, you've been robbed of your empathy. Replaced it with apathy. And I was just like, that's the one thing where I'm just like, that is 
was the crux I feel like of the discussion that happened around yeah. this year and somehow he's he wrote that lyric art like before we really were having that discussion right yeah before you know yeah there were millions of people out there just retweeting stuff and having a rant and then being right. done with it and then you move on and don't care anymore and like yeah he yeah he didn't know it was going to happen but he knows how people are he's been through this he's seen it and yeah yeah. That, that verse just sticks with me throughout this whole year for sure. Absolutely. And what you said, like gives you the chills. Like I, yep. I find myself welling up in the eyes. Like sometimes when I hear it, because I just feel so like sad about the state of things yeah. and for a whole verse to have that effect, it's just really incredible. And, you know, I don't want LP to get lost in this because oh, no. his verses, his um, verse is great. And also this is, is his best production on a record. Mm -hmm. And I read this interview where like, he basically said, we finally have the money where we can get all the samples that we've always been wanting to use forever. So I just feel like the production on this record also deserves to be kind of highlighted. Mm -hmm. Also too, to follow up with the emotional weight though, of walking in the snow to come in with a song like just. Yeah. Like, yep. With Pharrell and Zach De La Roca. Like, (laughs) yeah. And that beat, that beat, I feel like just in terms of talking about the production level of things and just what LP is able to do, that, I could feel that in my chest every single time it would hit if I'm in the car or something like that, like when we were seeing fucking Shabazz Palaces in Chicago. So would you say that's your favorite beat on the record? Is that? See, I think so. Mm-hmm. But, like, my favorite song is Walking in the Snow. Okay. okay. See, I, I'm big on Goonies versus E.T. That's my jam. I'm big on that, and I love the... Ooh la la. Ooh la la. I mean, <laughs> with DJ Premier scratching on that and then Yankee and the Brave to come in with that. Mm-hmm. I feel like that as just an album opener to come in with that like frantic, chaotic, yeah. like just everywhere beat. Um, that one always stands out to me in terms of just like, you know, announcing what this record's going to be like. Dude, and it's my favorite since RTJ one. See, like, I think my favorite intro to one of their records is on the second one uh, where Mike is just like yelling. I'm like, oh shit, he's pissed. <laughs> and we're like in for a ride right now. Um, Don't put the camera uh, on the screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that one came out in 2014 I around know. Eric Garner and Ferguson. Yeah. And like, He's just so on point with it every time where it does feel like they're the Simpsons of hip-hop. I don't understand it. But I think going back to LP's production, though, which we can't ignore, like, this record, I think the overall feel of it, I felt like I was, like, dropping down into, like, a dungeon level. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's, like, mean and creepy, and that's, like, the vibe I got. Just, like, all right, we're, like, in the dungeon level now of RTJ, and yeah. I was all about it this year. (laughs) Dude, and the last song, too. That's the one, um, shit, what's it called? Just gonna completely blank. Oh yeah, a few words for the firing squad. Yeah. Yep. That one. That one also just lyrically definitely gives me chills. Just in the way sort of they end it. It was mm-hmm. in like it ends out with sort of like a like kind of a wash of sound and just sort of a uh, you know I guess a saxophone just kind of like cutting through. Like that is, I don't know. Just shit like that is is where these guys just keep getting better. Like and then it's sort of do they do it again? And then also they're like and by the way we want Josh Homme and Mavis Staples right? to be on one track together. Like okay. Great, you guys. They just, yeah, well they, done. They went for it, man. Well done, boy. That's so awesome. Yeah, and the last thing that I just want to say real quick is, you know, they didn't lose their sense of humor. And no. that's one thing that I've always appreciated about Run the Jewels is they do have a sense of humor while tackling all these incredibly weighty, relevant, like poignant topics. But, you know, at the end of Walking in the Snow, Gangsta Boo comes yeah. on and says, <laughs> you know, one's white and the other one's black. 
So if you don't like them, you automatically racist. And so like they don't, you know, you just did Walking in the Soul, which is this incredible song. And then you still have the sense of humor to come on and like do that at the end. I just, I, I've always really appreciated that that about their music. Yeah, because they can be serious, but they don't take themselves too seriously. They know, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, you guys watch the the live stream they did? Yeah. Yep. That was so cool. For not having concerts this year, you know, that's, they just put in all the effort, man. You could tell they thought about that long and hard and were like, this has to be unique. You know, we don't want to be yeah. just on just a regular ass stage with lights or whatever. It's like, how do we make this interesting for someone sitting on their couch? And they totally nailed it. I think the thing about it too, that made it unique is, and maybe a lot of people in the beginning were just kind of doing shit for free, but they did it for free while everyone else was charging and stuff. Yeah. And I think that's sort of fascinating. And I think that's always been about what this band has been about, where they work within the system but they hate the system, mm-hmm. but they, they, they're like, listen, but this is what we have to do in order to, you know, be able to be successful through it and be able to change things. Yeah, and to get their message out there. They know how to play the game, but they also know how to still fuck with the people in the game right. while yeah. they're doing it. Like a, like a album or rather a music video like Ooh La La making all that commentary. Dude. Like taking all of their money to make that video mm-hmm. and then essentially burning it all like... Good for you guys. Fucking love RTJ so much. Yeah, that is when it comes to live music. And I think, Kim, you might have just stumbled on a new episode for us, the top five live streams of the past year. That's actually... Because the Every Time I Die live stream and the way they made this whole movie, (laughs) essentially... Hilarious stuff. Yeah, they got extra time on their hands. I mean, you can make a movie now. They they basically made a variety show, but like also disguised it as like a telethon. It was one of the most hilarious things. Yeah, and kept bringing on all these artists like Manchester Orchestra and Adam Lazara to debut songs, but then they didn't actually debut songs because like they fuck up the tape. Yeah, it was just hilarious stuff. (laughs) Well, I I don't know if it's available for stream. They did it for like it was for like. 48 hours or something oh, like that, okay. or 72 hours. See, you know, it's just like a show. You had to be there, right? Or you missed it. It actually kind of was, which they did some live performance stuff, but they had like Andrew Dice Clay, Mark McGrath, who looks terrible. Aww. Like, looks absolutely awful. I mean, sixth grade Kim thought he was like the hottest man on the planet. Fair yeah. Enough. Fly. Yeah. What a song. Well, Kim, right. thank Kim, you so yeah, much for so joining much. us and doing this. this. Awesome. I know that was a little weird tangent, I, but yeah, I love that I ended on a Mark McGrath. Song. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. Let's. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right. So that was our conversation with Kim Neaton. Um, really great one. She clearly very knowledgeable about music and we really appreciate her coming on the show. And as always, somehow introduced us to more albums that, as with our other guests, introduced us to albums that I wish I'd been listening to more in 2020. Same, for sure. And so now we're just going to move to our own discussion about our own personal top fives. And before we get to that, you know, we discussed enough our own feelings on the year 2020 in music. We don't need to do too much of that. But I want to talk about a particularly fascinating album from this record or from this year, rather. It's not even an honorable mention. It's, it's just... not because I don't. Not to say it's not good. It wasn't the best. I think it accomplished what it was trying to accomplish. It's just like I didn't particularly like it all that much. Um, but what we're talking about is Thanks for Using GTL by Draco the Ruler. 
And the reason it's so fascinating is because Draco the Ruler was imprisoned. He was incarcerated this past year. He's out now, isn't he? He is. Um, and But he was incarcerated when he released this record. And in order to do it, he recorded all of his verses over the phone. And, you know, this isn't the first time that someone's recorded songs from prison and... This isn't the first time that's happened, but it's the first time that it was done like this, where the intros and outros to the songs included the actual prison recording system, and it sounded like it was being done over a phone. It was like hearing produced by Harry Fraud, but not. It was just, thank you for using GTL. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, in, in including that, he was clearly making all sorts of commentary about the prison industrial complex and how GTL, this company has this monopoly monopoly over the communication industry within the prison industrial complex and how they completely gouge the prisoners for trying to communicate with the outside world by jacking up prices and all of these things. And so, you know, it's just a fascinating record and a really cool statement that he made. Like I said, like objectively, I don't, like it and enjoy listening to it but I think it was a really interesting record that he I, put out I thought it was awesome it was it, it's absolutely why we needed to include at least a shout out of it um I mean yeah it was it would, he even touched on stuff even too just about street life absolutely which absolutely. was like in terms of like even the code and what code and like he's in there what code are we living by kind of thing so I thought that was I thought that was interesting too I, it was you know was it the best or was it was it particularly good? Maybe not, but you know what? I still enjoyed it. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to it, give it a listen. It certainly listening to it and then reading about it because I was so interested in what I was hearing was just a really kind of eye-opening experience about his own issues within the criminal justice system and, you know, a really smart way to make a comment about the prison industrial complex and just overall a really fascinating record. I, I loved it. Um, Beam, what is, what are some of your honorable mentions here before we get to the top five? So I think it was one, because I was really hoping that this band was going to deliver a really good album when they released it this year. <clears throat> I think they did release a very good album, not enough to make my top five, my favorite and yours, Corey, Deftones, Ohms. Um, you know, I, I, I think that this was kind of like, it wasn't, you know, sort of the heavier side of, say, um, you know, something like White Pony. It, it was definitely obviously this more sort of matured version that they've been going going through. Uh, like, you know, it, it even kind of, not too much of a departure from, say, something like Diamond Eyes. Uh, which I was another album of theirs that I that I truly love, but it's one of those ones that kind of comes back around and, and 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 one that I that I was able to spin a few times. It, it still had that old classic sort of like heavier kind of aggressive style that Deftones has, while also kind of playing to a more vulnerable, still sort of that airy kind of spacey sort of side that they like to explore a lot, kind of in the future, uh, kind of more recently here. So um, I thought it was a really solid record, and uh, it was a really good rock record for the year. Um, you know, I didn't hate it. I'm not the biggest fan of Deftones, but I will say that 
it really did catch my attention with the first track on that record. I was they do good introductory tracks, I will say. Absolutely. And, you know, I was just grocery shopping and I had my headphones in. I was listening to my records for the year, just kind of pushing through them. And this came on and I was just, whoa, what the fuck is this? They don't keep that energy. Is no, sort of and the issue. The, that's why. And then I kept listening to it and it was just like nothing ever matched that energy. Like there was a song or here or there that caught my attention again but overall i kind of just ignored it but i will say that that first track really caught my attention and i've i've returned to that track quite a few times on some of my playlists i I do enjoy that one yeah uh genesis i mean that's a great track uh i'm trying to think of the other ones too um the link is dead is a really good one error is another really good one um i think ohms the last song on there is really good but again kind of as you pointed out it it had songs it wasn't their best sort of full cohesive and in terms of other albums not the best so yeah, all right let's hear one of yours well so my honorable mention kind of just got elevated to number five and the reason for that is because just now well yeah because oh. kim just discussed our favorite record of the year Oh. Our favorite record of the year is Run the Jewels 4 by Run the Jewels. We're not going to repeat ourselves and talk about it again. So, oh, so you're just going to take it? Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to elevate it. I'm just going to elevate it to the number five slot. Everyone knows that's our favorite record, so I get to talk about this I know, one but I feel five. like it just stays at number one. It's a list. You can't just bump something in the, oh my God, again, with the broken fucking rules. I get to discuss another album now, so I'm going to... <laughs> Well, it's the same thing if I do an Arnold mention, whatever. If you're going to do that, then I will say the other two that I would have included in here, Freddie Gibbs, Alfredo, though we did discuss it with Joey, a fantastic album. And as, and as Joey mentioned, it really brought it back to sort of the vocals. It brought it back to the flow. It's just letting Freddie cook. Um, and then my other that was in my top five, but then Joey also had to share us his list. And I think also another record came out kind of at the end of the year that sort of changed my list so it bumped it out of the top five but man man's uh dream hunting in the valley of the in-between uh i know i mentioned it on with kim it was just it it was a fantastic man man record um it was again it, it kind of it had sort of that style that that craziness that man man always kind of brought and that was sort of very prevalent in their earlier stuff but it was the much more mature version of that. It's like they found the sweet spot of everything. And, and it was like their first album, I think, in like seven years. So I thought they did a really good job bringing it back. But it's been a long time since they put out a record. And this one was very, very good. Very really, good. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Again, an album I would have loved to have seen live. But what are you going to do? All right. So I guess you're number five, Corey. But your honorable mention. Whatever it is. Uh, it's Medhane Full Circle. And... Great record. This record is fascinating. I mean, he put out two records this year. He also put out a record called Cold Water. I also really enjoyed that one. I didn't enjoy it as much as Full Circle. And what's really cool about this is it's eight tracks. It's 15 minutes. And it's a really kind of fascinating commentary. And I was reading this interview from Complex that Medhane did. And he had this to say about the record. He said, Full Circle is essentially a tribute to my ancestors, the ones that came before me. It's a reflection of the ways in which my peers and I comprehend and maneuver through the hellscape that is 2020 and draw from our surroundings and past experiences to grow and move forward. And there is a lot of that on this record, but the lyrics are also very abstract um, and very bizarre, honestly, and difficult to follow at times. But 
What's so cool about Medhain is he's so non-traditional in his flow and the way he weaves in and out of his beats. Um, it's very exper experimental in his rapping style. And a lot of the times it's just like spoken word poetry where he's just kind of creating his own ways to move in and out of the beat. And he keeps it very simple with those beats and very open and it just allows it to be very exploratory and um it's just it's just fascinating to me uh, the way that he put this 15 minute eight song record together and it you know the fact that it is only 15 minutes like i i listen to it sometimes like three times just right back 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 um and it's very very a very very cool record i i really enjoyed it i need to return to it more i did really like it i thought it was a very good record when i listened to it it wasn't just one i returned to but Solid, definitely deserves a mention. Yeah. Uh, so what's your number five? <clears throat> so my number five, it was one that was released, I guess, I don't know, kind of the middle to the end of the, end of the year. Uh, the, the Avalanche is We Will Always Love You. I don't know. It, 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 the first listen, it, a lot of this, I think, actually requires more context as to why this would be on my on my top five. Uh, which is why I think it is in there and why I sort of connected with it so easily. It basically was coming off, I don't know if it was like the week after or if it was during, I think it was the week after. Yeah, definitely was the week after. Uh, my family my family went through quite a bit uh, sort of at the end of the year here. We had to put down the family dog um, of 12 years sort of suddenly, uh, which which really sucked. And in that same week, uh, in the same day that we both found out that like, you know, that my dog was going to have to be put down or in the same day, it, you know, also found out that my grandfather basically was going to be on the decline and probably would be, you know, he probably will have passed away by, you know, the end of the week sort of thing. So that ended up eventually happening. Other family drama happened and, you know, I, I was going to and from work and, it, you know, obviously we're going right into the holidays and then this album that, you know, is supposed to be just sort of like a, you know, the, the avalanches are known for like making that sort of more dancey kind of more just like uh, more instrumental tracks, just kind of very uh, sample heavy, obviously. Their last record, Wildflyer, had a lot of um, had a lot of different guest artists and features on it. This one as well. But it this album in particular that I would guess I wasn't expecting out of it was to connect with it on such an emotional level as opposed to just like how it made me feel just like sort of dancey sort of groovy sort of you know grooving kind of way and uh it, it discusses a lot about loss um sort of you know life after death uh you know kind of looking into sort of like interstellar sort of themes as well but then also it, you know it has these moments of hope and a little bit of unity here and there and um it was kind of one of those things where it just sort of took you on a roller coaster each and every song um, sort of did. And I thought it was just a spectacular one. I mean, you know, it goes from dance hall to just disco, like in a matter of seconds. And, and, and I just thought it was a fantastic record. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I, I think that it is so all over the place in terms of, and this seems to be a theme in a lot of the albums that we're discussing. It's it's so all over the place in its influences and what it's using in terms of production from dance hall to more vibe based to really, you know, kind of electronic techno influence beats. Yeah. And it is all over the place, but it feels coherent 
and it feels like it completely flows from one track to the next. And it's because within one song, it will switch three different times sometimes. Um, yeah. And they have these like great ways to combine those experiences and different feelings, even in one individual song, but over across also across the whole record. Well, in the way they're able to do it across a whole record. I know, I think I saw one of the knocks on it. It was just that it's long. I think it's a little more than an hour long, but that it didn't feel like that, that it's paced very well. And Not the reason, all. and the reason why too, I think is because of the interludes that they had that made you just go seamlessly from one song to the next, where it was almost kind of difficult to sort of actually recognize when you were on a new song. Cause everything did just, like you said, it was so many different influences on one record, but it, it flowed so well together that it almost felt like, yeah, you were almost kind of listening to the same song. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, and, and just to the way that it starts out with Ghost Story and how it's someone calling from the great beyond. And it's chilling. Hey, sorry I left so suddenly. I just wanted you to know I'm okay here. Like, you know, just suffering, you know, while it may just have been a dog, um, you know, and, and, and also that my grandfather, it, you know, suffering loss like that made me sort of think about that. And for some reason, it just felt heartbreaking when I heard it. But immediately I was able to connect with it. And then just the way everything else goes, I mean, even uh, running red lights with Rivers Cuomo, I mean, that song, it just, that one's kind of more vibe-based, I would say, more than anything else. Absolutely. But you almost feel like it couldn't have been anyone else but Rivers Cuomo voice on that. No, for sure. And I think what you're saying about how lyrically you were able to connect with it, it's crazy that a record by the Avalanches could do so. Something that is mm-hmm. so recognized for its production and so recognized for the way that they take all of these different samples and the arduous process through which it takes to stitch all these different things together. And the lyrics do stand out. And one of them ones is from uh, gold sky featuring Kurt Vile. Mm-hmm. And he comes into that first verse and he just says in this very conversational tone, I got to tell you, I'm feeling just the minimal to maximal amount of shattered by life. And I was just like, yep, <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. And it's very funny. Um, but also like very much like, yep, feeling pretty shattered by life right now. Yeah. Um, well, then and Kurt Violin, that, 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 that drawl that he has, and it's just, it, it's perfect. It, it fits it so perfectly. It's an awkward song, but it's just like, it, it fits perfectly sort of in, in, in the mix of everything. And then all the, also to Denzel Curry's verse Love on, that one. uh, was it here? Uh, yeah. Take, take care in your dreaming. I mean, to open it up with 2011, my my name came alive at the same time I planned my suicide. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, he just, he goes in on it. He buries his soul on it. And I think that that's just sort of how this record felt in general, that people just really kind of, really kind of got after it and really bared, you know, sort of what, all of their emotions uh, in in this record, whether it be sonically or lyrically or how, however. Yeah, and... I've always been fascinated about how this kind of works where, you know, the the avalanches don't write any lyrics. They're, they're just producers and they get all these people to come in and to have them come in and just do this great lyrical work is really crazy. It's like, it's not even your song, but you're coming in and you're really feeling it and just like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta share some shit over this. And I really, I, I find that very cool. And I don't know how exactly it comes together, whether... Well, this is kind of interesting, is what I'm just reading. This is on Genius. It's saying it's via Apple Music. So when talking about this song, um, where is it here? 
Yeah, uh, Robbie was it Robbie Chater, uh, I guess a member of the Avalanche, said it's kind of a melancholy song. Sometimes it sounds upbeat to me, and sometimes it doesn't. It was an incredible moment in the studio from Denzel Curry. We spoke quite deeply about my personal journey and what the song meant to me and unfulfilled dreams and a journey from darkness to light. And to see someone around strangers be open and vulnerable and really tell a story from the heart was really moving to watch him do that. So I guess it just kind of must be a collaboration just sort of through a discussion of just like, this is the vibe I'm going for in a song. And Denzel Curry, Denzel Curry rise to the occasion and met uh, what he was going for. Absolutely. Really great record. And I, this was the one in the last month or so that I've listened to the most. I, I've probably listened to this all the way through seven or eight times. It's, it's, it's oddly good pick. background music too, but like if you're able to just sit down and listen to it. Yeah, it, it works on multiple levels in that way like we discussed. Um, all right, so I'm going to go to my number four if that's okay. Um, Excuse me. Well, I'm just asking, are you, are you done? Um, so my number four is St. Cloud by Waxahachie. And I spoke about this a little bit earlier where I found myself getting into these dark holes with music and, you know, I was feeling bad about things in the world. And so I'd listen to these sad records and kind of be stewing in my own self pity. And then I'd snap out of it and be like, the fuck are you doing? This is not helpful. Let's listen to a happy record. And the one I returned to and went for almost every single time was Waxahachie. Uh, St. Cloud. And I just feel like it was such a airy, wistful kind of record that, um, and that's not to say it wasn't like meaningful or emotional, but it was just such a perfect record sonically and musically that it always just kind of transported me and made me feel good and made me feel like I was floating. It was something that I would often just sit on my back porch and, you know, just have on while I just kind of stared at nature and it was beautiful in that way to just accompany that and I just sit and look outside and it was wonderful and you know I really appreciate what she was able to create on this record because I've been following along with her for a very long time now and this is by far I feel like her best most coherent record I feel like she's finally put all the pieces together I've always enjoyed her stuff but I enjoyed them bits and pieces and this one I would just put on all the time um, to make me feel better, essentially. No, I, I really enjoyed this record. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it could have been close to my in, in my top five. Um, obviously, didn't do an honorable mention because what the fuck's the point of that when you're going to have it in your top five? But uh, it, it's one that was a standout for me and one that I returned to 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 quite a bit as well. Um, yeah, the music did just make you feel good. It was it was just very well done, Absolutely. very well written. Um, and it just stood out as a very good, good album. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the lyrics do deal with some really cool stuff. I mean, one of my favorite songs, probably my favorite song from the record is called Lilacs. And on the opening of that, she says, I wake up feeling nothing, camouflage the wavering sky. I sit at my piano, wander the wild whereby, and the lilacs drank the water and the lilacs die and the lilacs drank the water, marking in the slow, slow passing of time. And you know, I just felt like while I'm sitting there in quarantine and time does seem to be passing by at this fucking snail's pace and I just go outside and, you know, she's talking about the lilacs drinking the water and then dying and it's just, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, right there yeah, with her. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. I, <laughs> I, I, and it just felt like 
I was hanging out with her while I was doing that. And she was just singing to me right there on my porch. And I was like, you know what? This is, this is fucking excellent. Thank, thank you for this record. No, wonderful album. It was a really good album out of 2020. Yeah. What's your number four beam? So, uh, mine is, is, I mean, it's a collection of songs that had already been, you know, written and released, but, uh, Sturgill Simpson's cut and grass volume one, basically going into his back catalog and taking songs that he basically said, and I, I kind of always thought this was funny when he said it, was songs that he said were already bluegrass songs and turned them into bluegrass songs, like just literally did it. Um, you know, something that I guess that would someone challenged him to do during quarantine, and he's like, fuck it, I'll do it. And he did it, and he got a, a really great group of bluegrass players to really transform the songs, and, and some of them even got elevated, I feel like, in a way. Um, you know, all around you. That was like apparently one of my most played songs of 2020, and it's just one because like I know it's the first song in the record, but it's also like one that I thought was it was a true standout. Um, on it that you know, it was one that I thought was actually really sort of improved by being in this sort of medium. Um, you know, other songs like a little light in the storm to have like the presence of uh, you know using the mandolin and the fiddle uh that you hear obviously throughout throughout this entire album it was, it was nice how they just sort of replaced sort of the pedal steel and the electric guitar that you know normally would have been taken its place and i don't know it was a really great album i completely agree i mean sturgill simpson is one of my favorites metamodern sounds and country music i still return to it often it's a 2014 release of his and you know i i'm still constantly listening to that record over and over and over again it's just so great and I think this project in particular just speaks to Sturgill Simpson's just raw ability at a as a musician that he can take his usual kind of psychedelic country style and then simplify it down to the bluegrass version of that and still make it good it's not just like it's not just this empty project like oh, I'm kind of bored and kind of working on some things. So I'm just going to make these bluegrass songs. It's fucking good, like very good. And like you said, he elevated some of the some the, some of the songs from their original form. And that just speaks to his abilities as a musician, as a songwriter. I fucking love Sturgill Simpson so much. The only song I would say that didn't really that it didn't really work for was Turtles All the Way Down because I think that song on its own is great, but yeah. something like Breaker's Roar that was never really stand out to me before, I think sounds fantastic on this. And then of course there's a volume 2 that came out, but I don't know, man. I was able to sit with this one a little bit more and I, I do need to go back and give the other one a listen, but uh, I just think it's also funny too that it came out right after Sound and Fury. It's like, oh, here's his like most heaviest, like really rock forward record, and oh, okay, we're gonna strip it all back down to doing bluegrass. So, anyways, what is your number three? So my number three is it's it's hard for me to describe my number three because I spent so much time this year with the music from the artists in the Griselda collective. And that includes Benny, the butcher includes Conway, the machine, it includes West side gun and, you know, extended from that. Those guys, those guys are the Griselda, but you know, then they have their record and they have Boldy James on there. And, you know, they had an absolutely massive year. All these guys put out two and three different projects and all of them were fucking amazing. So basically, you know, I was just, I knew something from them had to be in my 
top five here because I spent so many so much time with their records and all of it is so incredible. You know, I discussed what I liked about it so much when Joey was discussing Alfredo and how, you know, these are true rappers in the sense that their flow, their lyricism, you know, the way that they create music is such a throwback. And there's this really great article NPR on how Griselda basically made their career based on this idea of being your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. <laughs> so <laughs> whenever someone asks a rapper, like, who's your favorite rapper? They're trying to be the person they talk about. People who really know rap, they love Griselda. They rock, rock and fuck with Griselda. And so the one I ultimately chose was uh, West Side Gun Pray for Paris. It was the one that came to me first this year, and that probably had something to do with it. Right. I spent the most time with it. But I also think it has the two best individual tracks from any of those Griselda releases, and that's 327 and George Bondo. Um, it's just really, really incredible stuff. Yeah, I mean, I what's funny is that I kind of arrived at the Griselda Collective apart, separate and apart from you in my, in my own way, and it was through Conway, uh, Conway the Machine. And um, yeah, this, this album, though, in particular, because then after we had this discussion, you're like, well, then this album, I knew I had to give it a listen. And yeah, these guys, these guys... Nailed it this year. Well, 2020, I guess. Yeah, and what's so great about this is that all of the guys from the Griselda Collective kind of show up on each each song. So Conway shows up all the time. Benny the Butcher shows up. And then they bring some really great rappers from outside of their kind of own group to come in. And so on 327, they bring in Tyler the Creator and Joey Badass, two other rappers that I love. And, you know, Freddie Gibbs shows up on a lot of these things. And... I just love the way that they're trying to bring the focus back to the the lyrics and the flow. And Joey talked about this a little bit about how there's kind of space with the production of these records. And one of the fascinating things with the producers that they work with, um, the main Griselda guys, is that they don't actually use any samples. It's all live instrumentation. Yeah, it blew and, my mind when you said that. Yeah, and you know, the playing live piano and looping it and just completely non-traditional production in terms of like what's in these days in the mainstream of rap. And they've just completely bucked against that trend and kind of done their own thing. And, you know, I, I could go on and on about the lyrical content from this record, but I think their flow is just incredible. So I could go on and on about this record and its flow and its lyrical content and give you example after example, but the one that I will say is from that song, George Bondo, and it's actually Benny the Butcher, not West Side Gun, but he says, think it's a game until I Patrick Kane somebody homie that's sliding through with a stick shooting one by the goalie. And there's so many meanings within this line and the way that he's able to bring Patrick Kane into it in these sports references and... It's just the intersection of all my interests and the way that he's able to flow and double entendre the lyrics and have so many things within that one line. And this is all over the record. You could find millions of examples of this, but these guys are just lyrical geniuses straight up. Yeah. No, they're great. They're they're. I'm just glad that I know. Do you know about the Griselda Collective before this year? Last year I did, they kind of exploded last year and they put out their collective record under the title right. Griselda um, but West Side Gun, Pray for Paris, that, uh, so I'd heard that last year and then 
I heard Griselda or West Side Gun pray for Paris, and then I just kind of got obsessed and started listening to all their stuff. And um, there's this one song, Mo- Mozambique Drill, by Mock Homie, who is also a part of the collective at one point. I don't think he is anymore, but they are doing some really fascinating stuff. And bonus, they are from Buffalo and Buffalo Bills fans. So <laughs> great guys. Love these. Love these Any dudes. band or any sort of musical act that's from Buffalo, you already get a leg up, mm-hmm. for me at least. So when I heard they were from Buffalo too, I was like, oh, shit. Now I have to listen. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's go with your number three. What is it, bro? So this is thanks to Joey. Uh, Spanish love songs, Brave Faces, everyone made it into my top three. I don't know, man. And maybe it was just because this year, for me personally, like whether it was a pandemic or not, and generally just how I how I feel about things, um, any sort of like anger that I have, it taps into it so perfectly. Um, and, and it starts out, it's an album that starts out sounding really, really angry. Just about everything, about all life circumstances, how much you get paid, you know, your intelligence level, your looks, um, just the general world or just, just how things are going for you. And and what's kind of great about it, though, is that it's sort of at the end of the record kind of wraps up, wraps everything up really nice and almost makes everyone, it, it, it kind of ends on a more of a hopeful note where it's saying, yeah, all of these things happen. But you got to, you know, it's called Brave Faces, everyone. But you got to keep, you got to put your brave face on. We got to face this shit and we got to deal with it and we're going to get through it kind of thing. And, um, you know, a lot of this too is him just in sort of the conversations that I'll have with myself. I mean, what I, basically almost every lyric and almost everything this man says um, could be universally related to. And yet there's such simple things that he's saying, but they hit hard they and they hit they real do. hard. It's just so fucking honest. And yeah, uh, the, his voice too, and the way that he delivers things, it has this this quiver to it, this desperate tremble to it that, again, is also relatable. Um, I f- thought it was just you a feel spectacular. Them. You yeah. feel the emotion when he's singing, and 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 because I feel that way, it's almost like I literally have just this internal monologue, and it's this guy the entire time. I mean. It's just it's it's really amazing, and and Corey and I kind of or Corey I think mentioned this last time. It's not terribly riff heavy. It very focuses more on chords, but like those chords drive home the emotion of things. But still, here and there, there's some you know really nice riffs. Uh, you know, in terms of let's say here, oh yeah, Losers Two, um, the riff on that it it it, it 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 does have this really good riff. Where it's like burner. It's a standout on it. And um, the rest of the song, of course, has a sort of starting live vibe to it. But uh, but obviously, it's, it's, it features a guy that's a lot more upset about things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a cathartic record, for sure. It's the one that... Well, it's not the one that the most captures all those feelings for me. And, well, actually, lyrically, it does. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think... Are, are you done talking about that one? About the album itself? Yeah. No. Oh, no, no. Okay. There's, Keep there's, going. I'll, I'll transition after. No. Uh, I, I mean, there's just a few songs that I feel like I need to point out just in terms of the lyrics itself. I mean, there's the song Self-Destruction as a sensible career choice. Um, it's basically just kind of, you know, that, that, that like I can feel that's something I can really sense with where it's doubting things that are ever going to get bass bent or just on current trajectory of how things are going essentially. Um, it's not a great perspective for someone to have, and it's not a great one that you should have for a very long period of time, but it, 
what I think the song does is that it covers just sort of a quick spiral that you could have, just I could have, sort of, I know in any sort of moment where just everything's bad. I don't see how this is going to get any better. Like, you know, the lyric, it's it's like I'm falling deeper and deeper, thinking someday I just need a miracle, need about 30 goddamn miracles, which is, again, very simple, but incredibly honest and just hit really hard. And then, um, you know, something like I'm so pre- and But then also, too, it's also, you know, knowing all this stuff that might be going on with you personally, that you're missing sort of the bigger picture of things that are going on in the world. So like the lyric, I'm so preoccupied with, preoccupied with my own life, I can't see the world is burning down till we're living underwater. It's, you know, if I don't recognize this now, I, I need to get out of my own head in order to be able to see what else is everything that's going on until it really, truly uh, fucks me over kind of thing. And, you know, obviously it's, it's the best chorus I think I've heard all year. It won't be this bleak forever. Yeah, right. And then, of course, it gets to the point of saying, it won't be this bleak forever. Have you seen me lately? Which just encompasses the song perfectly. Yeah, and every time they do that and those lyrics that you pointed out, the song seems to stop around it. And At the end, definitely. Especially that one where he's like, until I'm living underwater, and then the bass comes in and kind of slides, and then it does a fill and then comes right back into the chorus. So it's like... And obviously this is intentional, but it's like they know those lyrics that are going to hit. And so they kind of slow down or stop the music or change it and alter it just so slightly. So you really, you really pay attention to that one. But it also has too, like when we talk about live music, wanting to see this album live, the one that you want to be shouting where it's like, let me ruin my guts tonight. You can just feel 200 people in a room screaming that. Uh, it does. It won't be this week forever. Same fucking deal. And then what I will say too about it is that while it does touch on that, where it sort of touches on more sort of the global perspective, uh, going back to the song "Losers" too, I do like how in the same verse he can go from addressing police brutality with "Gotta find a place of my own where the fuck ups aren't cops patrolling neighborhoods they're afraid of." And then goes right into white privilege and talk about gentrification where, and the rest of us won't burn out, displacing locals from neighborhoods we're afraid of. Now, if we weren't bailed out every time by our parents, we'd be dead. What's going to happen when they're dead? I mean, yeah. I mean, it just, it, it's it's one of the more honest records I thought I heard this year. He's, he has a very, very clear perspective. And the way that he's able to address both what's going on himself and speak about more uh, universal current issues is really something in the way that he's so self-reflective with lines like I'm so preoccupied with my own life and you know also being able to recognize that there are bigger issues than just what's going on with him it's it's really a remarkable exploration and it feels like you're getting a view into everything, literally everything that's going on in this guy's head. But I do like where it's like, don't give up on me now. Like, I forget which song it is, but just the, the, the chorus, don't take me out back and shoot me. Where it's just like pleading. It's just like, yeah. So I just, um, so anyways, Corey, what's your number two? So my number two in this list is the record that had the same kind of impact on me as Spanish love songs had on you. And it had a couple things to do with it. I think that one of those things was it returned me to that really aggressive, fast-paced rock music where you're 
kind of expressing how you're feeling just through aggression in the music and not aggression towards anyone else, but just that cathartic release from aggressive music that it can give you. And the lyrics aren't excellent in this record. I'll acknowledge that it's much more just kind of the vibe and the feeling that it gives you. And that's dog legs melee. And there are so many standout tracks on this record. Uh, the opening, um, Kawasaki backflip, the closer ender, uh, in the middle of the song or in the middle of them, you have Fox and you have war turtle. And that's another interesting thing. You know, Fox is a reference to star Fox and war turtle is a reference to Pokemon. So these are just things from our childhood. And so these guys are just clearly just like us. And, you know, writing about these things and it just gives you that cathartic nostalgic release that you need sometimes. And, you know, I found myself whenever I needed to kind of vent, um, through my musical choices, it was dogleg that I was going to, to kind of just let those, let those feelings and those emotions out. I guess I didn't explore the lyrics as much in terms of being able to feel that with this. I don't know. I, Cause it was one that I knew that like I could take running with me, but I guess I just didn't focus on it so much. In terms of the lyrics, at least. I mean, honestly, the lyrics don't speak too much. It's just the feelings that it gives you, and it speaks to... Just a feel-good vibe. Yeah, it gives you a feel-good vibe, and it feels good to get rid of those things. And, you know, when you listen to a song like Kawasaki Backflip, it has <laughs> these lyrics where where they're just kind of speaking to exactly what you're feeling and the delivery of them his scream is so angry and so you know kawasaki backflip he comes right in with tear down my walls i don't need them now and then stop the end of the verse is um we can destroy this one together and then goes into it will you be the fire or the wind and just everything especially that chorus like will you be the fire or the wind and they just keep going over and over and you can just imagine that in that live setting and everybody just yelling it along with one another um you know it's it's one of those ones and i i said this before but this is the one that i most wanted to see live this year um it just would have taken me back to a better more simple time um, yeah, yeah. where I didn't have to think about all this shit. And so I really enjoyed listening to it. And it, it was an escapist record for sure, but I really needed that at times and Dogleg provided it for me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, this next one, uh, I guess now it was always my number two. Corey always here flipping the rules like it ain't no thing. Um, I guess now Corey's number one. Well, it's also kind of your number one now, but... That's neither here nor there. Well, you you did pull out this whole, oh, I'm adding this other song in. So now my top five is just what it always was. I didn't have the opportunity to make this switch. I didn't know we were doing it. Eh. Getting the rug pulled out from uh, from under me every now and again. No. Um, next one is, I, I just, I, I mean, after really looking into the lyrics more too and just understanding what she writes about, but Phoebe Bridger's Punisher, I thought this album just sonically was amazing. Um, because I feel like just in a lot of parts it's simplistic, but it's incredibly layered. It's just arranged so beautifully, and it builds up to the this apocalypse. Yeah, the whole album builds to like one big moment, this, this, and that's the incredible thing about that's it. That's what's so like. good about it, and because it, it's like almost flipping through all these life memories, all these things that you've gone through in your past, all these things that you're currently going through. All to come to just the present, which is the apocalypse. And again, I, again, this is a record that was written, I'm going to assume, not during these times. 
Couldn't have been. I don't even when it come, came out. <laughs> yeah, I can't even really recall. And it just, again, matches everything perfectly. Uh, I don't know. Just fucking stellar album. It deserves all the Grammy nominations it got. It deserves all the Grammy nominations, all the credit. I mean, people love this record, and it deserves every single part of people it. People love her, and there's every good di- goddamn reason to love her. She's Absolutely. amazing. Absolutely. She is incredible. And, you know, the the main song is I Know the End, and it builds, the whole album builds to that moment. There's lots of standout tracks in, bet- in between there. Kyoto is one that always I loved. Um, it's not my favorite, but I think it's like, hey, she can write a pop song. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's a really good pop song that touches on like a very like troubled relationship she has with her father which i thought is you know what a what a good way to sort of slide that in under these really kind of upbeat sort of poppy vibes right and then it the whole record just builds to this one you know cathartic scream and it's on the end of i know the end and the verse leading up to that where it's just this conversational tone really reminiscent of like kevin divine and you know, she's just going through all these kind of yeah. images and the imagery she's able to create um, within that where she's saying things like a haunted house with a picket fence so I can float around and ghost my friends. And there's so many things within that, like she plays with this imagery, but there's also this incredible sense of humor with it where that idea of floating around and ghosting your friends at a haunted house, like it's just so funny and you know, it all builds to that moment where she's saying like, you know, I see the billboard and it's nothing there. And I guess this is the end. And literally she does the turnaround and look back and then it's here. And then it's just her saying the end is here. The end is here. The end is. And then just everyone screaming because it's literally the apocalypse just chewing them inside or whatever this gigantic blast it is or whatever. I don't even know. Exactly. And the music fits it so perfectly because it starts out so, these, the horns, the brass simple. sections that's coming in. Exactly. So it starts out very simple with just the guitar and it starts to build up and the drums start to build and then you bring in the horns and it's feeling triumphant and like, hey, we're, maybe we're going to get through this. And then it nope. pulls it out like, fuck no. Nope. <laughs> Comes in with this super chaotic scene and, you know, everybody... And she brought like eight different people. Connor Oberst is in there yeah. screaming, like eight different people just screaming and not words, just screaming, just screaming like ah. they are dying. And, and her just going, ah, yeah. it's, it's really, dude. I mean, like the other thing too, I, I still love this lyric cause it always stands out to me cause it just feels like the epitome of our downfall windows down, scream along to some American first rap country song. Like, I don't know why. I just feel like in just those two lines, it just sums up everything wrong with us. No, and it, it's, again, that sense of humor. And every part of it just, you can picture the people who do that. And yeah. it's not a great image, but like... She can create an image very well in each of her songs. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one that's both funny and poignant at the same time. And it's incredibly honest. Every single part of this record and... I think what's really, I think the best thing about it is the composition and how the whole thing builds to this ending moment. You know, the songs do work on their own, but the album also works as this one kind of unified vision building to a moment. And that's what's remarkable to me about the record as a whole is how she was able to create that. What I'm really hoping is that at the end of all of this, 
you know, 2020 was a weird year in music. It was a good year. I think there was a lot of good albums that came out. What I really hope doesn't happen is that artists like Phoebe Bridgers, Run the Jewels, they're just, I don't know, they just always keep that same energy. I'm not saying Phoebe Bridgers won't. I'm just saying maybe the fervor around them, but... Um, you know, I'm hoping, you know, Phoebe Bridgers, uh, Spanish love songs, you know, the Griselda collective, I'm hoping that this year didn't rob them of something in the sense of, you know, that ability to the tour and to create, and, and I don't think it did for Phoebe because I think she <laughs> seemingly did enough at, you know, at home, uh, to, to keep everyone attentive, but her ability to engage people on social media is crazy, which is probably what's going to keep it. But yeah, I, I'm just hoping that it's like, cause there are some really amazing albums that came out this year and I just don't want them to lose the momentum, momentum they had from this year because of not being, not being able to tour on it and, and not, ha- and also not having to constantly just sort of look behind our backs just to see what the fuck else is going to happen. Yeah, for sure. I I totally agree with you because in a year such as this, it's easy to kind of uh, almost dismiss it as like, oh, they were just speaking to that moment. But I think what we're talking about is these artists' ability to speak to any moment and to, you know, they all kind of predicted it because most of these top records were written in 2019 so like what are they going to do now it's going to be fucking incredible i reckon and or whoever's supposed to come out with the record next year yeah um still waiting on that every time i die oh that's if we're talking about like 2021 most anticipated every time i die has to be the top of the that's up there chain someone said kendrick coming out with one but i i mean i don't know i'm i certainly hope so let him do his thing i'm gonna let i'm gonna let him be as patient as i can be with him yeah, you got to be patient. I mean, a lot of these things, they take time for sure. And, you know, I'm definitely excited about what's to come. There's going to be a lot of music that comes out of this shit. And at least there's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, this is fun. This is fun. It's it's, it's over. We, we, we finished our 2020. Now we can actually start listening to the shit that comes out this year. I got to spend a little bit more time with some of these records before I like fully transition to 2021 mode, but I completely agree with you. People gave us some good lists. Yeah, this was, I mean, it's a great process to go through to consider the entire year in music, to revisit all these records that came to you. And we're not going to find them all too. That's why it's good to have other people be like, Hey, what about this one? No. And with that, like share your records with us. There's good to fair chance that we haven't heard them. Um, so we want to listen. We are music lovers first and foremost, and we love visiting these records. So share them with us, share them on our social media at back porch media on Instagram at porch back media on Twitter, all those different things. Thank you so much to, uh, Ashley, to Joey, to Kim, um, because, each of them brought something that we hadn't heard yet that we became really big fans of. And like, as Corey said, that we're going to need to revisit it, help add a different dynamic to each sort of, you know, discussion that we had. And I think it just made our collective list here. Very, very eclectic. Absolutely. Really good stuff. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you later. Let's hope it all doesn't burn down. Bye everyone. Bye everyone.